What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via telehealth. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, we have brand new telehealth patient options now open. Check them out. And lots of free resources there for you as well. Tons of it. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners, we're giving away tons of healthy stuff completely free every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you could take a screenshot of your review and message me with that screenshot at Dr. Will Cole on Instagram. And every single month, my team and I will be going through the messages on Instagram, as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves and randomly picking winners every single month. What are we giving away? We're giving away free signed books. We're giving away my favorite supplements at drwillcole.com, like Holy Main or different protocols and stacks we have at drwillcole.com. What else we're we giving? We're giving away free telehealth consultations with the team and I, lots of good things. So if you win for that month, we'll reach out to you. We'll ask which one you want and we'll either send it out to you or get you scheduled for it. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. His name is Alex Tarnava. Alex is the inventor of the patented and clinically validated open cup hydrogen tablets, which have made a significant impact in the health and wellness industry. You're going to learn all about the science of it today and just the power it can have in our body. In addition to his work on growing the commercial market for hydrogen therapy, Alex actively contributes to the ever-expanding research on molecular hydrogen. He's been seen on Forbes, Entrepreneur, and the Skinny Confidential. Shout out to Michael and Lauren. Ever-expanding, Alex is also spearheading numerous other projects. Alex developed the True Longevity and True Performance line of supplements, along with multiple other experts, from PhDs and medical doctors to expert dietitians. These lines of supplements were developed in the spirit of evidence and quality. Let's get right to it. This is Alex Tarnava's Art of Being Well. Alex, man, thanks for coming on the podcast. Glad to be here. So we're going to geek out so much today. We're going to blow people's minds. I really feel like there's so many topics within health, and we have a, a bunch of health aficionados that listen to this podcast. I really know that today's conversation is going to be something they most likely, the vast majority of them, have never heard before. So I'm really excited to shed the light on this important aspect of health that I know can be a game changer for people. Let's start with hydrogen and talking about that. Many people, they know it as an element, right? They know H2O, they think of hydrogen, they think of water. It's synonymous with water, but it's so much more than that. So can you talk about why people should care about hydrogen, 
when it comes to their health? We believe for a very long time that, you know, there's hydrogen in our cells at uh, all times, right? We produce it endogenously by, uh, you know, fermenting non-nutritive carbohydrates of fibers. And for years and decades, we, we thought it was just inert. It did nothing. And then this research started most prominently out of Japan. There was an article in Nature Medicine in 2007 that showed some therapeutic effects. That was published in Nature Medicine, one of the most prominent journals you know, in the world. Since then, there's now been about 160 clinical trials on hydrogen therapy and over 2,000 publications showing it has profound effects in over 180 different models across every organ in the mammalian body. So that really threw us through a loop and we started having to dig into other fields and try to figure out why hydrogen is so important. And it goes back to the very beginning of, of evolution before mitochondria existed. So our mitochondria, they evolved from something called eukaryotes. Those first eukaryotes, they expelled hydrogen gas, the waste product. But those eukaryotes formed from a symbiotic relationship between two organelles. One of them consumed hydrogen as its fuel source. So H2 has been with our mitochondria since before mitochondria existed. Right now, <laughs> yeah. when we dig into some of the natural sciences, we know that hydrogen was a, a lot more prevalent in our atmosphere at different times throughout evolution. So much so that the oldest water we've discovered on the planet still has dissolved hydrogen gas in it. We found it deep underneath the Canadian shield. It's estimated at 2 billion years old and it still has dissolved H2. So hydrogen played a big role in the formative years of our evolution. But since then in human evolution, it's even more important because we understand and realize and know that throughout the majority of human evolution, we would have consumed over 100 grams of dietary fiber a day, right? Now the average person is consuming 14 grams or less, right? And that's the average person. So a lot of people who are metabolically impaired consume much, much less than that. So that's how we're producing hydrogen endogenously is by fermenting these non-nutritive carbohydrates, these fibers, and we're not getting them anymore. But what makes matters worse is we're realizing that as we basically destroy our metabolism, as we become metabolically impaired, we produce methane instead of H2 when given the same, you know, carbohydrates and do a hydrogen breath test. And it's also of note that as we age, we produce more methane and less hydrogen. So this H2 that we've evolved to anticipate is now gone, right? It's getting less and less and less and then even gone. And then we can see when we've done studies on centenarians in Japan, for instance, they have higher hydrogen levels in their breath than the average person, right? So uh, a lot of that is tying in, but we, we also now understand mechanistically how hydrogen works a lot better. One of the roles that it works in, it's something called a mitohormetic effector. So it acts as like a stress to our mitochondria, which then makes our mitochondria adapt and become stronger. So, you know, listeners might know the word hormesis, exercise is a form of hormesis, cold exposure is a form of hormesis, Fasting is a form of hormesis. So there's all these sorts of beneficial stresses that we adapt and become stronger from. And hydrogen is one that specifically targets our mitochondria. And then in addition to that, these changes to our microbiome make us produce less hydrogen. But hydrogen therapy, specifically when you dissolve it in water and get it into your gut, has shown to improve the microbiome and gut health. Mm. Right? Repairing the damage that our lifestyle gives. And then the finally, the big one, which is where you really need a super high dose, specifically drinking hydrogen water, getting into your liver is shown to drive liver homeostasis, mm. right? So it seems to be the regulator of how our liver functions or, or one of them. So there's all these key yeah. things that hydrogen does in our body. We're just not getting the, the spikes and valleys that we would have throughout evolution. Got it. So what are the main, I mean, I've, I'm not a researcher in hydrogen you are but what is the main reasons why i can have some good guesses but what are the main reasons why people are seeing lower hydrogen than we want for optimal health what's going on well we're eating a lot less fiber right okay so the fiber component and then that our lifestyles are driving basically like gut dysbiosis microbiome dysbiosis yeah. so we're, we have less hydrogen producing bacteria to begin with 
And that's why it shows that, say, maybe a young, healthy person that eats a lot of fiber, they might not really need a hydrogen supplement. It might help you only when you have an extremely stressful event, like you mm-hmm. you have a, a exercise competition or a sporting competition that leaves you just broken, or you go out partying, or you know you get sick. Then hydrogen can maybe help you in those acute stages to get mm-hmm. an extra hit. But really, it's helping people who don't have a perfect lifestyle, right? And as our lifestyle starts to slip, we start incurring more stress, right? Our microbiome starts getting worse. And this is when hydrogen can really play a big role. Got it. I'm thinking also too, I mean, I don't know if there's studies on this, but just prolonged or chronic over someone's life and antibiotic use, I'm assuming would impact that, right? What environmental toxins do I'm thinking of the mitochondrial component of would yeah. you say that this hypothetically could be depleters of hydrogen as well? Yeah, I mean, th- there is a ton of research on, on using, you know, various drugs and toxins on cell cultures and mice that have shown hydrogen has incredibly protective effects, not so much in humans. There's a little bit of research on, on you know, certain hydrogen protecting against side effects of certain drugs. At its core, what hydrogen seems to do is drive homeostasis or harmony in a lot of our systems. So for instance, hydrogen isn't an antioxidant, but it drives something called redox homeostasis, which is a lot more profound. Because what a lot of people don't realize is you can go into reductive stress, just like you can go into oxidative stress. If you take too many antioxidants, it's a bad thing. And all the longitudinal studies have shown that, that hydrogen antioxidant therapy either has no benefits or it can even create harm. You know, increases all-cause mortality, can interfere with other treatments. Because we want that this harmony, this homeostasis between our beneficial oxidative stressors and our natural antioxidant system. And that's what hydrogen does. It activates our natural antioxidant system by the nerve 2 pathway to produce more glutathione catalase superoxide dismutase. But it's also regulating beneficial stressors like H2O2 and nitric oxide. So it's driving towards this redox homeostasis. And that's why we see in, say, 19 out of 20 studies, a strong antioxidant effect because most people are in oxidative stress. But one out of 20 times, we're seeing a pro-oxidant response for a beneficial outcome. Got because it. Because sometimes you want a pro-oxidant response. So it's working on the NRF2 pathway. Is that what you said? Yeah, one of the ways it works. I mean, there yeah. also has homeostasis in, in our inflammatory cytokines. So it yeah. does, you know, like harmony there and also things like autophagy and hydrogen yeah. is shown to positively impact about 10,000 gene expressions. Yeah. So the NRF2 pathway, as you said, it's this antioxidant pathway, pro-longevity pathway too, right? I mean, these are in a lot of longevity studies, but as you said, am I, am I repeating this back correctly, that it's modulating this antioxidant oxidant versus like overly enhancing the antioxidant. We don't necessarily yeah. want that long-term but it's a modulating effect. And sometimes we need some oxidant activity, correct? Exactly, right? It's never going to overactivate, right? That That's a really cool thing about hydrogen, like because you can overactivate certain pathways. And that's why drugs that have a specific pharmacological effect can be great, but they can also be dangerous, right? Because you, you put a certain pathway into overdrive, you start producing too much of something. Hydrogen doesn't seem to do that in any of the research. It, it drives to homeostasis and stops. It's almost like, and it, it, this is a bad ex- parallel, but it's kind of an adaptogenic effect on the, the mitochondria in a way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it is the best word that people know. Uh, the regulators don't like that word. <laughs> yeah, right. That's my own functional medicine for terminology, yeah. that not approved by the world, but <laughs> it's a, mo- a modulating effect, right? Yeah, it, it has these regulating effects, these modulating effects on so many different functions within our body. And it doesn't seem to overstimulate, right? So you can't seem to overdo it. For instance, if you put a hydrogen-rich medium on a healthy cell that that everything is running perfectly, no changes occur. Hmm. Nothing happens. Now, you artificially damage that cell in any number of ways, and then you see all the changes start to occur to protect against that damage and drive back to homeostasis. Got it. All right, so what can somebody know or notice whenever they start taking a hydrogen supplement? What are like the top, this is what I'm getting out of it benefits? It depends on the person. Hydrogen has so many different effects depending on. So let's say somebody has like fatigue, brain fog, like neurological symptoms, what are they going to notice? Clarity. 
right? So you aren't going to get a stimulant-like effect, but say on the hydrogen tablets, which you know I invented and are distributed worldwide, we have like 20-something clinical trials. And a couple of the clinical trials have shown significant improvements in brain metabolism. You know, and we've shown this across multiple different study groups. We improved brain metabolism in the elderly, a 70-plus population in a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. We improved it in overweight but healthy people, right, in a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. And in two studies, head-to-head against caffeine, we were equivalent at raising alertness and better at raising brain metabolism than caffeine after 24-hour sleep depth in young, healthy participants. And the interesting thing about that is on the attention network test, caffeine really helps with alerting, right? Like, and that's that like high energy feeling that we get after taking a stimulant. It doesn't really help with orienting. And hydrogen helps with orienting and not alerting, right? So the orienting effect is what we get anecdotally that people say, I'm not tired anymore. I just feel normal. You don't feel hyped up like you're on stimulants you feel the absence of that fatigue that you felt. So that is a big one we hear. I hear from a lot of older people anecdotally that they start sleeping better and they dream and have dreams for the first time in in decades. There's a paper that I was a co-author on that was a a long project with a team at UCLA and mice. And they, they subjected these mice to all these battery of stresses on their sleep. And hydrogen had some pretty prominent effects on sleep. For instance, they'd reverse the mice's sleep schedule and hydrogen would reduce latency and improve REM and non-REM sleep, um, or they'd gently massage them awake to disrupt their sleep. And again, hydrogen was reducing latencies so the time to fall back asleep, improving REM and non-REM. But what was really cool in that study is hydrogen seemed to improve the next day energy expenditure of the mice. So the mm. mice were more active after the stressful event, and then they slept better on the recovery night again. And this was really cool because in the control, right, where they gave hydrogen to mice and then they didn't do anything to harm their sleep, there were no changes. It was only when the stress came present that hydrogen had these very significant effects on improving sleep, recovery, and energy. Wow, that's fascinating. And also, it's coming to mind is like, how would it, how would you, <laughs> how would you like for your job to be a mouse masseuse where you're like gently waking the mice up from sleep? I'm sure somebody's paid to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, they're, they're all grad students, right? It's <laughs> what happens post grad. It's what happens. It happens. Yeah. How about other areas? What other areas within the body of dysfunction, dysregulation that you've heard or seen studies on or have, have done studies on to see an improvement with hydrogen supplementation? We've largely reversed metabolic syndrome in double blind placebo controlled trials. We've shown weight loss in four separate studies, right? Wow. In body composition. Actually, in, in another study, we didn't show weight loss, but that was the elderly study. And weight loss probably would have been a bad thing, right? And mm-hmm. the average age was 77. What we did show is that they maintained their body composition, but they put on 5% extra lean body mass. Hmm. Right. So they put on weight. And this was actually seen in a lot of other functions. That, like, it was a great study. We increased telomere length by 14%. We improved wow. DNA methylation. We doubled TET2 in the blood. Now, TET2 is what's linked to young blood. If you've ever seen the research on vampire mice, where they take the blood of a young mouse and they put it yes. in an old mouse and it, you know, rejuvenates their skeletal tissue. Yeah. That's like TET2. So we doubled that in the blood. As I mentioned, we improved brain metabolism, but then it had some functional benefits, right? It it tended to improve sleep scores, a strong trend anyways, but uh, it reduced pain scores and, you know, improved quality of life scores. And the big one, and this is probably tied to the increased muscle mass, and again, average age 77, six-month trial, and this was done at the early stages of the pandemic. So they were locked down in their homes. It's not like they were going to the gym and getting more active. It improved the senior fitness test. So for instance, how many times I could sit and then stand went up in the hydrogen group and down in the placebo group. Amazing. The telomere length, that's really amazing to hear too. So what's the research show? How much do we need? If we notice damage in certain areas, if we see accelerated aging, if we're going through maybe an autoimmune problem or metabolic issue, brain issues, what do we need to be taking every day? 
this is where it gets tricky because for different like outcomes and indications and different models, there can be drastically different needs of hydrogen. For instance, we seem to need about 10 times higher dose in the liver to see an effect as for exercise performance. Now, in cell studies, in certain models, we haven't found an upper limit on when hydrogen starts plateauing or being less effective. Like going to full saturation of the cell still is showing you know, a, a better response than slightly below. There's no way that we could possibly saturate every cell in our body with hydrogen. But what we do know is so far in the research, one, the mice are getting a lot more H2 than humans can get because they drink so much more water per body weight, mm. right? And they their respiratory rates are so much higher than humans that they mm. can saturate their cells a lot more than a human can. And in mice, as we scale up, we're seeing better and better effects. So with humans, when we're at, you know, one-tenth, one-fortieth the dose that a mouse is getting, the higher we're going, the better the results we're seeing in dosing. And there is many, many instances where we've needed a higher dose to even see a minimal effect. And there is not a single instance where the higher dose has shown harm or where a lower dose has been more effective than a higher dose. So Got it. my advice to people is to scale it up right? Until you stop seeing a noticeable difference, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I take two, three times more what say we see in the average person, a lot of studies, but I have a tremendous amount of damage in my body. I've got osteoarthritis and 11 joints. This is as far as I can lift my arm up. I, I'm a candidate for full replacement on my shoulder and my hip on waiting lists for neck and back surgery. Oh my gosh. A, a lifetime of contact and combat sports. Is yeah. I was going to say typical Canadian, right? It's like, just like running ragging with the sports and outside too much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you go higher and titrate higher. Uh, and I see that, you know, and this makes sense here. It has that hormetic effect. Like sometimes you do have to dose higher than you think, or what's even on the bottle, just self-experiment. And is there any drawbacks i guess of having on the high like titrating and testing higher well cost for one and that's why i say when you stop seeing a noticeable difference don't go up higher don't waste more money than you have to but magnesium you want to make sure that you're not taking an extra magnesium supplement because the way we're making hydrogen with the tablets and the tablets right the hydrogen tablets get between eight to hundreds of times higher hydrogen levels than any of the competing hydrogen water products Right. Mm. So a lot of people might buy a machine, right? And it gets like 0.1 parts per million hydrogen. And they might spend thousands of dollars on that machine. Whereas the tablets are getting over 12 parts per million of hydrogen in 500 milliliters. So that would mm -hmm. be, you know, 125 times higher the H2 yeah. level. Uh, likewise, a lot of those little, you know, hydrogen water bottles, they might get 1.6, but then their gaskets start going after a few weeks, and then they maybe drop down to one and then 0.8. So you're maybe getting, you know, one-tenth, one-fifteenth the amount of hydrogen concentration that you can by using the tablets. And when we know it's a dose-dependent response, and we know that more is better, right? And mm -hmm. we know that we're already capable of getting so much less than the rodents that we've seen miraculous results. Like the results in humans have been strong but the results in rodents have been basically miraculous. Right, because right? they're thirsty. They drink too yeah, much. They, they, they drink, drink a lot of water. They drink much more water than, yeah. than we do. They inhale so much more gas than we do. You know, so when you give a high concentration to a mouse, yeah. it gets so much more H2 into its cells yeah. than we're getting. Is there anybody that shouldn't be supplementing with hydrogen? So we haven't seen any contraindications yet. That's not to say that they won't be discovered in the future. So we're keeping our finger on the pulse on this, looking out for any reason. In some trials, and I'd argue this is a good thing, seeing diabetics have had to lower their, their insulin. Yeah, it's a great thing. Wonderful. Exactly. Right. But uh, there are certain things, if you're on certain medications and hydrogen may, may help with, with your indication, I'd say keep up with your testing and, and mm -hmm. talk to your doctor because you might need to adjust your medication. Got it. For sure. Good, good note. Now, look, we're talking about longevity benefits, metabolic benefits, neuroplasticity, brain cognitive benefits. 
some people are vain, right? They, they're just looking at the outside. Is there anything with like your skin, your hair, hair, anything like that that people notice? There's been quite a bit of research on, on both drinking and topical hydrogen. Topical hydrogen will work better on these skin functions, right? Like in the elderly, in a small Japanese study, a low concentration of H2 actually reduced wrinkles and they're like eight years old. So that was kind of impressive. Hydrogen will, will protect against like UV damage in the skin, also shown to impede the uh, formation of the advanced glycation end product cross-linking, right? Which you can use topically and, you know, that that's one of the drivers of wrinkles. It, it has shown some benefits in the hair as, as well. So there's all sorts of these benefits. Now, these areas are less studied than a lot of the, the major health outcomes on hydrogen, but there's a lot of promising research showing these beauty benefits. Got it. So, all right, you mentioned tablets. What's a day in the life look like? Maybe what you do or like a typical person does is wanting to experiment with hydrogen, see how it impacts their health and how they feel. Are we doing it with or without food? Like it should be away from food. Take take me through the day and yeah, what we should be doing. I'd say empty stomach, right? Okay. I prefer to do it first thing in the morning, but I'll, I'll do a washout every three to six months. And then I change the time of day I take it in, just keep my body guessing. I don't have good evidence on this yet, but working by hormesis, if you do the exact same thing every day, it ceases to be a stress, mm-hmm. right? So like if you do the exact same workout over and over again, you stop getting gains it's just stress from it so every three to six months i will stop taking hydrogen for a week i let my joints all seize back up i feel like crap and then i'll do a different dose at a different time of day right and kind of change it up but right now i'm doing it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach if i'm traveling or if i've gone out the night before or if i'm sick anything like that i'll do a second dose mid-afternoon you always want to do it at least a couple hours away from having had a, a meal, especially if you've had a lot of carbohydrates and fiber in that meal for two reasons. One, you're wanting to potentiate the spike, right? So if you're already getting a little spike of H2 from eating some fiber, assuming you have the bacteria in your gut that can produce it, you'd want to take advantage of that. But two, one of my patents involves, I, I've turned hydrogen into semi-stable gels and foams by passing it through polysaccharides like fibers. So that would be kind of like time release, which you don't want, right? Like with all hormetic stresses, you want an acute spike and then a return to recovery. Okay. So you you don't want to have it at the same time that you're consuming fiber is the big one. Some people, because of it giving clarity in the brain and energy, I don't like taking it within half an hour to an hour of going to sleep mm-hmm. but sometimes i weigh that like if i've gone out to a dinner or a concert or something and i've had a, a few drinks mm-hmm. i'll often have the hydrogen water late at night mm-hmm. before i go to sleep to offset that stress mm-hmm. of the drinks right there i love it i'm fascinated by i mean hearing all these benefits the science behind this how the heck did you stumble on hydrogen re- research? I mean, you seem like, not to stereotype, but I mean, again, you mentioned like like combat sp- sports and like active guy and you're in hydrogen. I love it, but how did you get, come into this field? Uh, necessity, right? So about a decade ago, I was training four to six hours a day. I had a completely different you know, business that I'd innovated on some technology. It had me, say, traveling for about a week a month, and I'd work 100, 120 hours a week as I traveled. But then the other three weeks that I was at home, I'd maybe have a one to two hour of prep work a day, right, for my next trip. And so I was bored. And being in my late 20s, I turned all my attention to athletics and training. So training four to six hours a day, I was competing in CrossFit. I was helping other guys get prepared for fights in, in martial arts. I got really sick and they they don't know exactly what happened. The doctors I was with at the time thought I might've had a mystery virus that they couldn't peg, but my C-reactive proteins went up to like 35 milligrams a deciliter. So like wow. 70 to hundred times abnormal. I had sudden onset narcolepsy. So I'd fall asleep. If I sat down for 30 to 60 seconds, I was sleeping, you know, 16 plus hours a day, 16 to 18 hours a day. 
I had central nervous system fatigue, so I couldn't do anything explosive. I couldn't jump an inch off the ground. It hadn't affected my strength, like my deadlift, my squat, my bench press, but nothing that involved explosive movements was possible. I was severely anemic, right? And iron deficient, despite at the time I was probably eating, you know, two pounds of red meat a day. With the amount of training I was doing, I was on a six to 8,000 calorie a day diet. So there's no way I should have been deficient in anything. Right, right. It was pretty clean too. That lasted a couple months. And when the dust settled, I had polyarthritis. So everywhere that I'd had an old injury, the inflammation had wrecked my cartilage with arthritis in 11 different joints. Like polymyalgia, rheumatic. uh, I mean, was that the diagnosis? I mean, other than, did they find any sort of autoimmune component to it or? Well, short term anyways, right? Because my body was attacking itself while I had this virus or whatever was going on. Like my body was in panic mode, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah. But yeah, and I, I just, it, it ended up just, it was osteoarthritis. So just like usually wear and tear, but mm-hmm. the wear and tear happened in a two month period that I wasn't mm-hmm. even training from the inflammation in my system. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it cleared. So I don't have any inflammatory issues now. Like my HSCRP is below 0.1 milligrams a decimeter. Amazing. When I do my quarterly blood tests, so super low. But at the time I was afraid that something like this would happen again. Mm-hmm. Because when it returned back, it didn't return back to normal, but it dropped from like 35 down to like two, which is still about, it's still bad, right? Yeah, right. It's not optimal. Yeah, it's definitely not optimal. So they put me on cortisone injections and they put me on a thousand milligrams of naproxen a day. So that's, that's like a leave for listeners, but you might take 200 milligrams of a leave a day. I was taking a five times prescribed dose of that. I knew that wasn't a long-term solution, Mm -hmm. right? So I was just, this four to six hours a day that I'd been spending training, I was spending all that time just scouring PubMed and reading studies. And likewise, back then I I was reading for enjoyment three to four hours a day. And I stopped reading philosophy and novels and enjoyment. And I was just spending all my time just scouring, you know, medical science and you know, reading for anything that could potentially help me in the long run. And I found all sorts of things. Hydrogen was on the list. I bought one of those machines that I mentioned earlier that cost like $4,000 and just kind of went on my merry way. The cortisone injections and the naproxen were obviously working. And I was back to kind of training a little bit, not like I had before because of the arthritis. But nine, 10 months later, I fainted a few times in a week period at the gym. Hmm. And it turns out I developed multiple ulcers, right? From the naproxen. Wow. Yeah. So I abruptly stop, right? The naproxen or any other NSAIDs. And within a few days, all my joints seized again. Like I'm talking, I couldn't put on socks without lying down. Couldn't put on a, a shirt, right? I was just wrecked. And that made me realize none of the natural things I was doing was, was working, or at least not enough. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to PubMed and just sort of scouring articles again. And I came across a couple more that mentioned hydrogen again and its regulatory effects on inflammation. And that that pissed me off at first because I had this $4,000 machine that wasn't doing anything. But it just dawned on me, how do I know what dose I'm getting, mm-hmm. right? So I bought a reagent test kit to test the hydrogen in the machine. Yeah it was undetectable and I had to what? triple the solution to reduce one drop. So my machine was only producing 0.03 parts per million of H2. Oh my gosh. It's a, a fraction of the lowest ever observed dose. Like, you know, like one sixteenth of the lowest ever observed concentration that's seen an effect for any indication in the smallest amount. Right. Mm-hmm. And like one, like, you know, 500th of, or like one 400th of what say the tablet mix. Yeah. So this had me buy the material and methods, like the full study. So I could read the material and methods for a lot of these other studies, both in in rodents and humans. And I started realizing that none of them used machines like the one I had bought. 
right? A lot of them were using magnesium, right? And doing it in the control setting in the lab. And I'm a pretty obsessive person. And I just started going down the rabbit hole of trying to get my hands on elemental magnesium. I, I realized it was a lot harder and there's a lot more considerations than I knew at first. I mean, it's like you have to have a proper end use from the State Department in the U.S. to do this. Then you have to consider things like heavy metals because a lot of the sources that you get it for are making it for engine parts and, you know, like fireworks and stuff like that. There's no concern <laughs> of heavy metals. Yeah. A lot of the magnesium that comes from like China or Russia, it's just full of heavy metals. So you got to consider that. So I ended up eventually finding a, a source of the particle shape and size I needed, but of a grade of magnesium that is used for implants, right? And Got it. You know, the pharmaceutical industry, like they'll, they'll make screws out of magnesium that they put in your body because then they react and dissolve away and, you know, just easy ions, completely safe. Yeah. So I started playing around with the magnesium, making tablets. And my first ones were, were getting about three ppm, three milligrams a liter. And I was drinking two and a half, three liters a day of it. And my joints loosened up. It got me excited. But I also got cautious because I knew a bit about the chemistry and, you know, I I'm, was studying it well, but I'm by no means a chemist. I'm not an expert in this area. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to win a Darwin Award and blow up my home, right? Producing right. hydrogen gas with yeah. elemental magnesium. It's the white yeah. fire. Not worth it. Not worth it. Yeah. I, I found my founding partner. Uh, he's a PhD chemist. He works in the pharmaceutical industry. At first, he said it was the worst idea he'd ever heard. He gave me a long list of reasons why, you know, it's stupid and, you know, hydrogen therapy, you know, isn't a thing. And, you know, like, why would you dissolve it in water rather than inhale it? I answered all these questions. I showed him all the research that was emerging. I showed him the pharmacokinetic research showing that even at 1% the dose, Hydrogen dissolved in water seems to saturate cells better than inhaling gas in a lot of the different organs. Hmm. So that kind of blew him away. And he said, okay, well, there looks like there's enough, you know, research on this to, you know, take a look into it. Sure, I'll look at your chemistry. And he started, you know, tweaking my formula a little bit. And uh, I just kept on sending him a new study every day as he was working on it. And serendipitously, I sent him a study on a disease model that his pharmaceutical company was working on and he was a lead chemist developing small molecules for and he called me for lunch and he said listen all those other studies i just had to trust the conclusions but this is a model that i'm an area expert on like a matter expert on and i'm trying to develop drugs for this model and this works right unless this is fraud this works mm -hmm. right have you thought of commercializing this and not just doing it as a do-it-yourself project? And it was a completely new field for me. I hadn't been involved in supplements or the health field. So it took a lot of work. I, I looked into all the laws and the regulations and decided to go for it. And to get our first production-ready tablet, it, it was much different. It's much harder to make millions at high speed on, you know, machinery as it is to make 10, 20 pills in a mortar and pestle that you're handling. Mm -hmm. So it took us a year, thousands of bitter of adjustments on our formula and 15 failed scale-up attempts until we got our first production-ready tablet. Now we're thousands of more iterative adjustments, you know, through that. But now, you know, we, we have new dietary ingredient status with the US FDA, we're grass, so generally regarded as safe with an expert committee. We have 21 structure function claims from the expert panel, and we have 20-something clinical trials. So it's been an interesting road. It's impressive, man. Congratulations. That's really cool to hear. For somebody that has some you know, damage, inflammation issues somewhere in their body, how long does it typically take to see improvements? Like when can people like, what could they expect? Anecdotally with athletes, we, we've heard anywhere from a few days to a couple weeks. For metabolic issues, we've started to see effects at a month, but it seems that the effects get stronger and stronger as time goes by, you know, such as three months, six months. So, you know, internal organs take a little bit longer. 
with the topical tablets, we've seen effects after a single bath. You know, for things like, you know, we, we went head to head against Rice Protocol for grade two ankle tears in pro soccer players. And we're equivalent, but trending better than Rice Protocol in every parameter. I think if they recruited just a few more, you know, injured soccer players, then we would have been statistically significant for like, you know, the pain score, inflammation, and, and like circumference of the swollen ankle. And that was after a single bath. Right. Wow. Like hydrogen baths. Likewise, we were significant about placebo uh, after eccentric exercise in elite athletes, after a single bath, right? So their placebo bath, all the placebo tablets, they look the same, they produce the same amount of magnesium, and they they make CO2 instead of H2, Got right? They so control for everything, but an H2 versus CO2. So after a single bath, we, we significantly reduced delayed onset muscle soreness, and protected against the rise in creatine kinase, so a marker of muscle damage. Mm-hmm. So that was just a single use in the bath that was. That's amazing. All right, so we talked about internal use. You just mentioned the hydrogen baths. If someone wants to do that, how would we do that if we have like these musculoskeletal inflammation issues or we mentioned the skin health as well? Yeah, I mean, the Drink HRW, the True Longevity, True Performance brand, they have relief tablets under the True Performance line. So they're a bigger tablet that we designed for the warmer water in the bathtub. Got it. All right. Perfect. Thanks. And we'll put this all in the show notes for everybody. So the one thought that I had as you're talking about it, it modulating the gut microbiome has a beneficial effect on the microbes and like where we have an unhealthy, many people have an unhealthy gut as just living in modernity. One of the things that I measure on telehealth patient labs are people that have SIBO, right? They have bacterial, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And some of them, like some of them are methane dominant, some of them are hydrogen dominant. So is this also a modulating effect on those people with SIBO or do those people need to be mindful of starting low and slow? Can it exacerbate SIBO symptoms? Do you have any data on that? Uh, we don't have good data. I mean, hydrogen in every study that we've looked at the gut has improved gut health. It's improved the microbiome yeah. in quite a number of studies. It's improved GERD. What I've talked to with, with you know, gut health experts is the amount of H2 produced in SIBO, because it, it in the H2 dominant SIBO, it, it's a constant flow all day long, right? So you're not getting the peaks and valleys that you get with H2. And the volume is so much because it's just a steady flow all day, right? Mm-hmm. So taking exogenous hydrogen isn't going to drastically improve your total H2, right? It's not going to be significant mm-hmm. to drop in the pocket compared to that constant flow, but it could potentially help restore the microbiome so you don't have that anymore. We, we need research there. But for instance, uh, in one of our recent trials on overweight, but otherwise healthy uh, people, we we reduced calprotectin, so mm. you know, and we increased uh, short chain fatty acids. Amazing, as you said, you are seeing at least anecdotal, if not studies as well, showing the improvement of GERD, which many GERD cases are driven by some sort of dysbiosis or SIBO yeah. issue. So that's promising, and calprotectin. I mean, this is an immune inflammatory marker that so many people have higher and then they don't even know about it, even just suboptimal, like higher levels of calprotectin. So that's great to see that you're lowering that gut-centric inflammatory marker too. I know you and I have talked before about like the using hydrogen as a synergistic method for other beneficial compounds. Can you talk about that and how that's used? Yeah, I mean, th- this is my biggest area of research right now, and it's what I'm most most excited about. So the first thing I did, you know, j- just for anyone listening that might get afraid that the pharmaceutical industry will take over hydrogen, they can't. That's why I went and got an NDI and a GRASS first. Okay. That means that in the U.S., it's a first-to-file system. So if something is a, a food or a supplement first, legally with the FDA, it is always protected in that area. Right. Got it. But if it's a drug first, it can never then be a supplement or a food. Right. Right. So if it's a food or supplement first, it can then become a drug and it can be both. Right. Like caffeine is an example of this. Mm -hmm. Well, we are doing a lot of research. There's research that that isn't done, you know, by my group, but we're doing a lot of research delivering active pharmaceutical ingredients uh, in, in rodent models 
with the hydrogen tablet, and we're seeing synergy, right? Mm -hmm. Improved benefits, better than either on their own by far, and reduced side effects, right? So that's a really cool area. And we're anecdotally seeing some improvements with other natural molecules, right, that we can use. So this is something I'm really ramping up research into because it seems really, it's really cool. Like, for instance, one study, I was an author, and I, I really want to caution, this was just in mice, and it's a, a first study, so don't go and think that it, it's going to cure your cancer because we don't have that data. But this was on a, a model of colorectal cancer in, in mice. And we had a control group, a hydrogen group, a, a group with a chemotherapeutic called uh, fluorocell 5-FU, and then a combo group, right, with, mm-hmm. with the H2 plus the fluorocell. And we saw a very similar results between the hydrogen and the fluorocell on its own for things like reduced tumor weight, tumor size, and collagen content, which is an important marker of, you know, like the health of the cancer cell. As expected, the hydrogen increased antioxidant production and decreased oxidative stress. In the 5-FU model, as expected, it decreased antioxidant activity and increased oxidative stress. That, mm-hmm. That's one of the ways it works to kill the cancer. In the combo model, it almost killed the cancer completely, wow. right? The, the tumor weight and size were significantly lower than either treatment on their own. The collagen content dropped from like 24, 25% in, in the other groups down to 6% in the combo. But what was really interesting, and this is why I say hydrogen isn't a direct antioxidant, it regulates function. The hydrogen potentiated the stress response of the fluorocell within the cancer cells. Mm. So it decreased the antioxidant output within the cancer cells more than the fluorocell alone and increased oxidative stress in the cancer cells more than the FF, wow. FFU alone to give the synergy to, to basically kill the cancer cells. Yeah, man. That's like, so it's like this really effective enhancer of whatever agent you're talking about. Is there anything in the like nutraceutical, natural supplement world that you're seeing, you're excited about combining hydrogen with it? Yeah, I, I'm doing a lot of formulating work with different companies. One company that that launched the first one, and especially if we're going to talk about gut health, yeah. With the Drake HRW and the True Longevity brand. So I worked with their scientific advisory board and, and we singled out another clinically validated molecule called Immuno LP20. And it's a, a pretty cool molecule. So it, it's a heat treated, a heat killed probiotic. Okay. Right? And what we're discovering about these heat killed probiotics is they still come, so they're they're dead, but they still have the exact same cell signaling benefits, right? Mm-hmm. As the live probiotics but they don't disrupt your microbiome, Got right? It. So a lot of people in a lot of studies, like probiotics can be great for a good percentage of people, but in some people, they'll have a negative effect, you know, big side effects um, and disrupt your microbiome. By heat killing it, you get rid of all those side effects and you still get the cell signal benefits. Very so the cool. immune model P20 has shown improvements in immune function. It's shown um, improvements in liver health and it's shown improvements in oral health. So mm-hmm. the Drink HRW team settled on that ingredient, and we have a di- bigger tablet where we're delivering that ingredient alongside the H2 in, in the hopes that they're working synergistically, just like we've seen with all the pharmaceutical agents we've been testing. So cool. And that's called Harmony, right? Harmony? It's called Harmony, yeah. From Drink HRW? Yeah. Got it. Anything else in the longevity space you're excited about, like up-and-coming science, like to, that you're like geeking out about that not enough people know about it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple things. You know, one, th- this is one of the products. So with the the Drinky Turtle brand, I, I founded it. I don't really work with them on a day to day basis anymore. But I still have veto rights on the products that they launch. So I have to approve of it. And actually, everyone on their scientific advisory board has to approve on any product that they work on in the final formulation. They have one called Ageless Defense. It, it's designed for advanced glycation and product cross-linkings, which is one of the, the pillars in why we age. Basically, the, these irreversible, unbreakable molecules form between you know, our, our uh, proteins and, and lipids in, in our bodies, and, and they just start wreaking havoc, breaking us down. It's one of the reasons collagen breaks down and we start getting wrinkles. It, it leads to brain issues. It leads to arterial wall stiffening. And the only thing we can do is prevent them from forming. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a number of natural molecules 
that have shown to prevent formation of these ages. That formula was at like 16 months of, you know, R&D looking into the different natural ingredients, the, the pathways they worked and trying to make sure that they all work complementary or synergistically. There's another product that I'm actually pretty excited about. I, I've seen a noticeable difference in strength. Now, the, Drink HRW has a few products in both their sports line and their anti-aging line, but there's a new pending patent from a professor that I'm uh, friends with that uh, found that uh, the combination of guanidino acetic acid, which is a precursor of creatine hmm. and creatine, uh, significantly increases creatine levels, you know, in your tissue, but especially the brain, because nice. GAA is making it to the brain where creatine typically has a hard time making it to the brain, which is why a lot of the, the research on creatine and neurological issues stopped dead because none of the supplements were making it to the brain. But the GAA is making it to the brain and then converting creatine because it's a precursor. Got it. So it's a G- GAA, like a precursor to creatine and creatine, like a combination of the two. Yeah, yeah, oh. it's a combination of the two. The reason that they did that, and then there's other ingredients in the prime too, like betaine anhydrase, which is trimethylglycine, you know, and then there's an ingredient to raise, you know, testosterone naturally, and then there's hydroxymethylbutyrate, right? So that's designed for males above 30 to maintain muscle mass. Got because it. as we age, the typical male will lose about 1% of their muscle every year, mm-hmm. right? If you're working out and eating the same. So you actually have to do more to try and protect the muscle you have. But the reason we've used GAA in livestock and chickens and such since like the 1950s, but we haven't used it in humans because too much of it will raise homocysteine. Mm-hmm. But creatine itself drops homocysteine. Yeah. Trimethylglycine or betaine drops what homocysteine. So yeah. doing the combination of the three with the creatine, you know, GAA and, and trimethylglycine will drop cysteine, homocysteine. It has a, a net reductive effect while still getting the GA to the brain to convert to creatine. Smart. So it's, again, a modulated, and the ratio is appropriate. Now, I was thinking, as you're talking about this formula, I'm thinking, I have a double MTHFR C677T variant, and many of our patients do too, or maybe not that one, but methylation impairments. I could imagine that formula being so much helpful for all of us, but specifically people that are looking to support methylation and improve cognitive function, right? Yeah. And what's the name of that formula? Prime. Prime. So we have Prime, Harmony. Okay, so here's a question I have. If you're taking Harmony that has hydrogen in there, correct? Do you need an additional hydrogen tablets or is that enough dosage-wise that you don't need an extra hydrogen? The Harmony is dosed at one per day. Most of our clinical research, like our clinical research in, in say like sleep deprivation, it's a single tablet. A single tablet shows an effect. But our anti-aging and our metabolic studies use two, three, even four tablets a day, right? The pro athletes we work with tend to use three, four Got tablets it. a day. Find a better result is better. So personally, like I take the Harmony. I, I take another product that I developed for a different brand that that has a, a custom formulation too. And then I take just like the standard tablets like rejuvenation just to make up the dose. Got it. It depends on your damage. If you're in your early 20s and you're living a perfectly healthy lifestyle, you might need one tablet every couple of days after you've had a bad sleep or exercise super hard or you're you're traveling. So you get all yeah. that radiation being up high and sleep disruption. Now, if you're older and you don't live a perfect lifestyle and say so you work a lot, you drink a bit of alcohol, you don't eat perfectly, you just are going to need a lot more hydrogen to see mm-hmm. you the same regulating effects. Got it. Yeah. The titration is probably so much better for people. And I, I I love that you mentioned the alcohol, like I don't drink, but I'm thinking of all the people out there that I get asked this question a lot. Like if I'm going to drink, like what is like a quicker recovery? It seems like the hydrogen could not be a get out of jail free card, but a way like a rebound faster. Right? Yeah. Anecdotally. and, And I've heard this from a lot of people as well. It seems to resolve like headaches and brain fog but it doesn't fix the upset stomach mm-hmm. that you get like if you drank a bunch of wine and then ate a bunch of like crappy food you yeah. know after you drink. so yeah it's not magic but it, it makes a big 
different. And yeah. I know with me, because I, I drink less and less as time goes on. And I, I tend to just drink when I'm traveling on business and I go mm -hmm. to a meeting and everyone's opening bottles of wine and everything like that. Mm -hmm. I find the less you drink, the harder it hits you. Mm -hmm. right? When I used to drink, even in my 30s, and I drink a couple times a week, I wouldn't get hungover. Now, when I go and I go a month without having a drink, and then even if I have like three glasses of wine, I feel like I drank three bottles. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the hydrogen does kind of save my life. Yeah. So you're, you're advocating people to drink more just consistently, right? <laughs> I, I wouldn't advocate that. <laughs> that. That's why I don't do it anymore. But, you know, that, that is a, that is a, a tried and true set strategy that a lot of drinkers have. Is, yes, it oh. is. Yes, it is. The opposite of what I'm recommending, everybody. Yeah. Do not take that clip and take it out of context. All right. So, all right. Well, and what was the name of the product that was the heat killed probiotic strain? Oh, that's the Harmony. Oh, that is Harmony. So we have Harmony. Yeah, Can you go through like this, make this like sure. a longevity stack right now so, for people? Yeah. So like uh, rejuvenation is just a standard hydrogen tablets. Harmony is in a box like this. That's the one with the Immuno LP20, the heat killed probiotic. And then Prime, it's in my kitchen right now, but that's the one with the GAA and the creatine. And the TMG. And the TMG and, and the hydroxymethylbutyrate and beta alanine is also in that one. It, it's like a total stack for yeah. mind, body, for men above, specifically men above 30s, but women above 30 can benefit it from it also. Right. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, totally. It's just not like gender. I'm thinking of so many women that want to maintain muscle mass, which is like a massive metabolic enhancer, right? It would be, it's not that women can't take that, right? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Right. And actually the, in, the ingredient that increases testosterone has shown in women to have different effects, right? right. On improved food and everything like that. Because, right. Uh, which honestly, that's another thing on data lab wise. Like I, so many women have low testosterone what you need for sex drive and muscle building and energy and brain function. So this is a good thing too for women. 100%. They have one other product in their longevity line. It's called Radiant. It's a collagen plus product that has a few patented clinically validated ingredients for, you know, hair, skin, and nails. I don't talk about that one as much just because I wasn't the one who worked on that product, right? So there were other people on the True Longevity Scientific Advisory Board that, that developed it, a, a few of the, you know, PhDs, all, all female actually, that that dove into that research and developed that product. So I, I take it every day. I, I I trust it and trust them. It's just I don't want to speak incorrectly about on their work. Yeah, their work. What know, are some of the ingredients in that one? So they've got uh, Lestriva and Elastiglow, and there's collagen, obviously, and vitamin C, and I'm forgetting one. There's something else in there. It's okay. Too. We'll put it in the show notes. They can get it. They can check it out. All right. As you know, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. At the end of every episode, we have Your Art of Being Well. So let's jump into it. The first question I have is, what is the worst tasting healthy food? It tastes freaking disgusting, but it, you still have it because it has some amazing science behind it as far as some benefit for you. Hmm. For me, and this one blows a lot of people away, I find glycine repulsive. Got it. Right. But I still take it. It's not a great taste. It's like an artificial sweet. Yeah. It's sweet, but doesn't taste good. And to take, you know, like say like 10 grams of glycine, I have to plug my nose and, <laughs> and chug it. And it, it's something that really messes me up. And maybe it's because I'm in Canada, but I have a hard time finding unflavored pectin supplements. So when I put the powdered pectin, in some of my juices and it's full of like tons of like you know stevia and monk fruit you know orange flavor i, I find it nauseatingly yeah like you're saying like a, a modified citrus pectin one yeah yeah yeah, yeah we can get them in the states because we have the unflavored for telehealth patients but yeah uh, well i'll get you some i'll get you someone that's south of the border i'll get you i take capsules of the pectin now okay i have to take so many yes like, yeah those are so so many so tablets like yeah all the powders i find on amazon in canada they're all like disgustingly flavored i, I don't like over flavored over sweet yeah 
We use the MCP, the modified citrus spectrum, for people that have obviously gut mm -hmm. health. We use it from a detox support standpoint, people that have mold issues. There's a lot of benefits to that. From a fiber standpoint as well, you talked about fiber earlier. I can actually comment, like, I'd say, like, hydrogen helped with my gut when I had all the ulcers. My MD at the time put me on a medication to repair my stomach lining. I was on it for two years and it didn't do anything. Mm. Right? If I had hot sauce. If I, you know, had a, a glass of wine, I'd be throwing up. Wow. Right? Like my gut was wrecked. And then when I started scaling up the H2, it had some mild effects, but I still kind of had IBS. Things were still like not perfect. When I scaled up to like 60, 70 grams of fiber a day, it was months of hell, like stabbing pains in my stomach, feeling sick run down some days. It, it was not good. Mm -hmm. But now all of my IBS and gut issues are resolved. Wow. Being on a high dose of fiber for a long time. So you saw temporary like exacerbation of symptoms, you're saying, but you kind of wrote yeah. it out. You kept it high. Yeah. I see that. I mean, people that have these flare-ups from fiber, it's, you say, I have to start off low and slow and titrate up. But I think the synergistic effect, like we've been talking throughout today's conversation between hydrogen and the fiber, it seems going to be really beneficial for people. 100%. All right. So let's go back to glycine real fast. People are going to be, their ears are going to be ringing. Like, why do you take glycine? What are the benefits for you? Well, it's cheap and there's a lot of longevity benefits. Like I, I don't see them anecdotally. I just, you know, look at the research on, on various benefits, even in reducing ages and protecting collagen and protecting brain yeah. health. It's dirt cheap and mm -hmm. there's a good amount of research. Yeah, I agree. All right. What's your dream vacation, dream holiday? Oh, see, I have to be doing something on holidays, right? Like I can't be sitting by a beach and relaxing. I, I just, I need projects. I need something to do, but I love nature. So I love exploring mountains and rivers and creeks. So that's what I really enjoy. But I think if your life is great, you don't really need a vacation from it. Amen to that. That's, 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 that's the deep wisdom right there. The deep wellness. So next, my next question is, you're Canadian. Why are Canadians some of the nicest people I've ever met? What's the secret? I don't know. And I think it's changing. I think we're getting pretty angry. <laughs> it might be something over <laughs> in the capital. Maybe I don't know why. But what, what do you think that is? Why we're nice? I mean, uh, you see, I see the same thing. I, I've been to 40-something U.S. states. You, you see it in small towns. Right. And I think just there's a lot more rural population in Canada than the US, right? A, a much larger percentage of yeah, us, yeah. plus historically smaller city and rural. So just more trusting. Like yeah. the city I grew up in was like 100,000 people. And not only would we not lock our doors, but a lot of times in the summer to let the cats in and out, our front door would be wide open. <laughs> right. Like it just, yeah. That's changed though, right? Like in, you know, my hometown, there's now like an opioid epidemic, you know, like crime and everything. So like a lot of like, like my mom and like a lot of my friends' parents that used to just leave their doors wide open all summer long now have like multiple deadbolts and everything. So wow. things are changing. That's a shame. Keep Canada great. <laughs> I don't know how we do it, but don't mess it up, people. All right. So Next question I have is what's a book that you've read? It could be a fiction, nonfiction that really was like, man, people have to read this. Any book that fits that criteria for you? Oh, man, there, there's too many. It's a cautionary tale, but a book by Dostoevsky called Notes from the Underground, right? I found particularly impactful. I'm an introvert. This is Introvert's Corner over here, man. And I read it when I was younger and it doesn't matter. Like a, it's a cautionary tale about someone who fancies themselves smarter than all their peers and as an introvert and how miserable life can be. Mm. You know, that's your attitude and mindset. So, What's the name of the book again? Depending on the translation, either Notes from the Underground or the Underground Map. Got it. Thank you. Do you listen to podcasts? Like what's a podcast you think more people should be listening to besides The Art of Being Well? You know what? Like the podcasts I liked years ago have gotten stale to me and I haven't found new ones. I used to listen to Sam Harris a lot, but I haven't liked him that as much in the last couple of years. I find Peter Atia gets good guests on, mm -hmm. but I don't like some of his diatribes. Pick and choose. Pick the episodes you want to listen to, right? That's what I do. But I, I, I find nowadays 
I get so many emails and phone calls that I'll start watching a podcast or listening to a podcast. And then 15 minutes in, I have to respond to something urgent. And then it might take me like a week to listen to a full long episode. Do you like history? I find it interesting. I I listen to this history podcast. It's by Dan Jones, who I love him as an author too. Check it out. He has a great podcast that makes history fun. It's like engaging. It's kind of a action-packed middle ages. I forget the name, but a good friend of mine always sends me episodes and clips of a podcast on like the history of like, say like language and linguistics. Yes. I love that. I find that super interesting too. Uh, Me too. Me too. All right, my friend, tell people where they can go to learn about your work, about the products we talked about today. Where do they go? So alexternava.com has a lot of my projects. I have new projects on the go. I have like, you know, hydrogen inhalation unit that's going to be launching later this year. Myself and a prominent researcher resolve the issues because the inhalation units on the market right now are either safe or effective. There's none that are safe and effective. The ones that are effective are potentially explosive and the ones that are safe are ineffective. So we've been working on this and engineered a product over the last four years that's going to be launching soon. It'll also keep updated about, say, like the pharmaceutical research we're doing and delivering drugs and API and media I'm in and everything like that. My Instagram is mostly just like dinners out and like events and concerts. <laughs> so I, I will post my studies on stories and posts from time to time, but I'm not super active. The products that would be uh, Drink HRW. So Drink and then HRW for hydrogenrichwater.com. You know, they're they're uh, not just a brand that licenses, you know, my IP on the hydrogen tablet, but they've worked really closely with me. I helped them develop the Harmony product. I helped them develop like some of their other products on the line. And because I, I founded that brand and then kind of exited my my main role like a few years back, but I kept veto rights because I kind of built it from the ground up. So they can't launch any product that I don't stand behind. I love it, man. That's smartly done. Smartly done. And I have a code for everybody. Use code Will Cole, just my name, one word, at checkout for 20% off your purchase. I'll put the link that we talked about in the show notes for Drink HRW, but the full link for the longevity stack that we talked about. Again, code Will Cole, 20% off. My friend, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.